We're live from St. Augustine. It is lunchtime, and we're going to spend some time right now with, of course, uh, Dr. Korn is here with us, and we've got a special guest, too. Uh, Dr. Eric Schramm is here, and we're going to talk about a variety of topics, including medical research and uh, med evidence is the title of the time that we spend with Dr. Korn each and every month, the truth behind the data. Dr. Korn, how are you? I'm doing well, Kevin. Well, it's good to hear from you. Uh, things are going well. Yeah, I did my first European trip since the pandemic. Yeah. Traveled through Spain and France and enjoyed it. And um, I think the pandemic is over. I have Didn't to, find him a lot of mask wearing. Yeah, I'll have to agree with Joe Biden on this one. Yeah. <laughs> in his infamous uh, interview. Right. But um, uh, literally, we were there. There were crowds. People were not wearing masks, by and large, and uh, kind of had a vibe of normal life. Today we're going to talk about uh, medical research and clinical research. Uh, some of it does involve COVID. Obviously, we'll talk about a little bit about that and also some other uh, issues that are going on, some other projects that are happening with uh, med evidence and with Encore Docs in particular. Encore Docs located right here in our part of Northeast Florida, and they have offices in the Whetstone Building here in St. John's County in St. Augustine next to Flagler Hospital. Learn more at EncoreDocs.com. That's E-N-C-O-R-E, EncoreDocs.com. A lot of research going on right now. Talk to us about some of the projects that are happening. Yeah, so um, as we all know, we've talked about multiple, multiple times, is that the vaccine strategy was a big part of flattening the curve for COVID and ultimately getting ahead of the curve, which is kind of where we are right now. We're still having cases, of course, but they tend to be minor cases of the uh, variants that are not quite as lethal and in a population that's now protected by and large. So there are breakthrough cases, but people don't, aren't getting really, really sick. So um, call last night about an 88-year-old patient with heart failure who had COVID. And instead of panicking and, and telling that family that this person has a 25% death rate, we're talking about how to use an antiviral and how to adjust other medications to mitigate the severity of the illness. Mm. So the, the medical approach and mentality has completely changed over the course of the last two years, largely because of research, largely right. because these are vaccinated people who have less severe illness. And so uh, we talked about this last time, but heading into the cold and flu season, you need to have a strategy. And uh, this is the quiet before the storm. September, October tends to be relatively benign months for viruses. But then you get to November, December, and January, and, and they get nasty again. So what you want to do is think about how you will prepare for this upcoming cold and flu season. Yeah. That's Dr. Michael Korn. He is with us live on the radio right now. Dr. Eric Schramm is here as well. You want to introduce Dr. Schramm to our listeners, Dr. Well, Korn? A, a friend, a, a shareholder of, of our organization, and somebody who is a tremendous researcher. Yeah. And I think a really interesting story. I, I think um, one of the reasons I'm really excited to hear Eric describe his story is because he's part of our mission. So when we developed Jacksonville Center for Clinical Research and ultimately the Encore Research Group, we were interested in getting really smart, really high integrity and uh, interesting doctors to get involved in research. And I have to tell you that not all physicians have research mentality and not all of them are cut out to be good researchers. You need a special breed. So we like to say of every 10 doctors who we look at, we feel privileged and, and excited that one, of the, one out of the 10 become really, really good researchers and make major contributions to medical science. And Eric certainly falls into that category. Yeah. Well, that's quite the introduction, Dr. Schramm, and that's all good and all that, but you're also my former family doc, you know, my doctor for a number of years, which is even more important, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, very important. So <laughs> kept me alive for at least the last six or seven years before he transitioned out of doing that sort of medicine. But uh, Dr. Schramm, it's, it's an honor to have you here. Hey, uh, great to be here with both of you guys. Yeah. I'm 
thanks, uh, Mike, for that wonderful introduction. And uh, again, Kevin, um, I was on this broadcast, uh, we figured probably about 10 years ago yeah. uh, when I opened up uh, with my wife, my uh, new primary care practice. So uh, coming back here, being able to, to, to do these talks with Dr. Korn, um, you know, very happy to be here. No telling what you'll do when we come back ten years from now again, right? <laughs> That's right. You're, you know, you haven't changed at all. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. I don't it's, know about yeah. that. <laughs> well, Dr. Tram is here, and yes, uh, he was, of course, a primary care physician. So that's kind of the perspective we want to look at a little bit today. You know, for folks that are just experiencing, you know, normal healthcare delivery, right? Like I was with you. I would go and see you once a year for my physical, or if I had an issue, uh, you would see me or deal with me by video or what have you. How could folks that experience the healthcare system in that typical way benefit from clinical research? Okay, that's a great question. And I think it starts with, um, you know, knowledgeable physicians, right? When I first came out of uh, residency in 2003, it's the first time I became, you know, acquainted with Dr. Corrin and uh, Jacksonville Center for Clinical Research. Up to that point, in traditional medical training, you'll have exposure in your pre-med and during medical school to basic sciences and doing research. And it leaves a lot of physicians with a mindset, well, you know, the only, you know, the really important types of research is being done in academic centers, big hospitals, and really not happening in the community. And the reality is that's, that's not true at all. You know, when I came to work um, and went to, went into primary care, um, realizing that, you know, a lot of these physicians in this practice were actively involved in research, were enthusiastic about research, and willing to share that enthusiasm. And for me, as a physician, especially when you come out in your training, you really want to be on top of the latest treatments, um, you know, the latest medicines or the latest vaccines or the latest technology. And so being able to be in a community setting, um, Again, being able to communicate this and offer this to your to your patients, your own patients, makes a big difference. And you know, the reality is that the important research out there that really affects patients is happening in the community. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what really energized me at that point. I felt like, hey, you know, this is something that you know, when you have your get a good uh, relationship with your patients, a trusting relationship with your patients. Um, then you can talk to them about it. Say, so, you know, I think here's an opportunity for you. And, you know, I think there's a lot of benefits that occur for patients when they get enrolled in clinical trials. That's Dr. Eric Schramm. And, of course, he's part of the team with Encore Docs. Learn more by going to EncoreDocs.com. Uh, Dr. Corrin, how does it normally play out that somebody that's, you know, just going to see their primary care physician would somehow uh, get engaged with clinical research? Well, it starts again with the physician, and Dr. Sherman is a great example of somebody who got interested, learned to be really, really good at running clinical trials and being part of it, and then talked to his patients about it and expressed what the value proposition is to the patients, which, which I'll get into in a second. But I actually want to amplify one of the points that Eric just made. So when I was in medical school 35 years ago, it's you know, really hard to believe, but I was in medical school 35 years ago. And at that point, probably 80% of research was done in academic settings, in these, you know, quote, ivory tower type places, high powered places. And now it's flipped. It's now 80% in the community. And there's a lot of reasons for that. The, probably the most important reason is the patients are in the community. And ultimately, we want to develop products that serve the patients who will ultimately use them. 
So the concept is, of course, testing them on the patients who will be very reflective of the population that gets the product in the long run. So that's part of it. But the other part of it is the talent that's now available in the communities. So maybe 35 years ago, most research talent was in academic medical centers. And now there's a lot of research talent out in the community. So uh, people should rest assured that when you see a physician like Dr. Schramm or other physicians in our group, you are talking to somebody on par with professors at Harvard and Yale and Stanford and, and Emory and all these fancy places because uh, we've had training in those in these places and we are a group that comes from the same talent pool, except that we're probably better at communicating to patients in the community. Right. Hey, if you're just hopping in your vehicle, tuning in, that's the voice of Dr. Michael Korn, of course. He's with Encore Docs. Learn more at EncoreDocs.com, especially about some clinical trials that you could potentially participate in. Dr. Korn, do we need more family <laughs> physicians uh, you know, urging people to explore clinical research? We, we do, especially in the U.S. So uh, the United States <clears throat> funds about 50% of clinical research in the entire world. But when you actually look at the number of patients that are in studies, it's actually way less than that. So for drug studies, it turns out that only about 20% of the data points or the patients come from the U.S., even though we're funding 50% of the work. And when you look at devices, it's actually even less than that. Only 10% of patients come from the U.S. And there's a number of reasons for that. But one of the reasons is that we don't have enough physicians who have been trained to run clinical trials. Mm. So a good uh, physician who has high levels of integrity, who is intellectually curious or her intellectually curious, uh, will make a big difference in terms of changing that and ultimately doing more of the work where the funding is coming from. Yeah. You started out our chat today talking about the antivirals that are helping people that have COVID. You know, the death rate with people that get COVID if they're over the age of 80, how significant that is, how that's been reduced. That's something we can point to that's all happened in a matter of 24 months. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about potentially uh, saving, what, tens of thousands of lives? Oh, millions. Yeah, from research that just was initiated how many months ago? Literally 24 months ago. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that amazing? It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I've learned a lot from Dr. Korn over the last year, especially, but, you know, for example, how many lives have been saved from statins that had to be researched at some initial point, right? Absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. hundreds of millions of yeah, lives. Yeah, and, and the other point of that is that delays in developing new products mean lives lost. Right. right. And it's an interesting, it, you bring up a really, really interesting point, is that it's easier to identify a life that's lost due to a mistake than it is to identify a life that's lost due to slowness or, or inertia or not getting the job done. Yeah. So sometimes we get very, very cautious in general, but particularly in medicine, because we don't want to be that mistake. But if you slow things down too much, that inactivity will actually kill more people. Yeah. It's kind of a branding challenge, right? I mean, the number that's never out there when you're trying to deal with folks that have concerns about vaccinations or their anti-vaxxers or what have you is there's never the counter number of this is how many people we've saved. Right, exactly. That's right. And I, I get the sense as a layman looking from the outside that you all aren't very comfortable with ever coming up with that number. Right. But that number would sure make the branding a lot easier. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So um, in fantasy football, I'm, 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 I actually don't <laughs> Are play. Are you any good? I'm, I'm actually not. Oh, um, okay. But I, I've had a few people ask me my opinion. I don't know why, but uh, they asked me <laughs> my opinion about it. And I'm, I'm a Jaguars fan, so I know a little mm-hmm. bit about it. But I, I don't actually play fantasy football. But I was interested. I was watching uh, somebody. I was looking at somebody's app, 
and they were showing me some of the analytics. Mm. And the analytics now look at how a player performed versus what their expectation was. Mm -hmm. And so that was really, really interesting. So even before you go out there, there is analytics that are telling you your expectation. I think that's to this point. Right. So what's the expectation of how a flu pandemic will devastate a community and what actually happened? And we, you and I have actually talked about that before, is that you really don't know the total number of deaths until you look back at it five years later and say, well, how many do we expect for that period of time and how many actually were there? Right, exactly. Well, uh, it seems like we have to get to that point where people better understand that if you choose to not take the flu shot, you are giving yourself this percentage increase risk of serious illness. Exactly, that's right. And the, the other thing that's funny about it is that you don't always figure it out exactly. So let's say <clears throat> somebody decides not to take the vaccine. They, they get COVID. They say, oh, I, was, I felt sick for a few days, had a fever, uh, but I got over it. And then you find out like two or three weeks later, they're in the hospital with um, some inflammatory condition. And it could be related to uh, COVID brain fog. It could be related to pericarditis. It could be that their cancer got worse. It could be that their congestive heart failure got worse. And they may not actually associate that problem that was three weeks down the road with the initial COVID infection. But when you look at it more broadly and you look at expected deaths versus actual deaths, then you get to those numbers. Yeah. That's Dr. Michael Korn. If you're just hopping in your vehicle, uh, you can learn more about him, his bio, and also the information about you know, some clinical trials that you could potentially be eligible to participate in that could really improve your quality of life. Go to EncoreDocs.com, EncoreDocs.com. Uh, we'll get back to the music here in just a quick second. Obviously, we've talked about this briefly in the past, but there's a new COVID vaccine out right now, right, that deals with the Omicron variant. Mm -hmm. uh, should we take it? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, again, um, all these things require a personal reflection, and that's why I like to say you should have a cold and flu season strategy. Every single person, we've talked about that before, but only the people that are listening to this know what their particular risk is know what their exposure risk is, both in terms of what they do day to day and the likelihood that they can spread it to other vulnerable people, which is an important part of it, mm -hmm. and then know what their history is with COVID and then ultimately know what their tolerance is of whatever the medical intervention is in general. So uh, what we like to do, Eric and I certainly like to help people figure out what their strategy will be. Right. And I get these questions all the time. So, hey, doc, I got COVID three months ago. Do I need the booster? Hey, doc, I, I got Moderna. Um, and should I get Moderna or Pfizer or Novavax for my next one? Hey, hey, doc, um, I had a little bit of a reaction for the first one, and I didn't get the second one or the third one, but now I'm, I'm going on a cruise. What should I do? And, and these are all individual decisions, but in general, what I can assure people is that the boosters are safe and incredibly effective, and now the latest booster, which we worked on here in Northeast mm -hmm. Florida, is actually specific against the Omicron variants, particularly the BA4 and BA5 variants. Which is so, out there in our community right now. Exactly, that's right. So we are we having cases in the community. It's a little bit quieter than it was a month or two ago, but it's going to step up again probably within the next three months. So the average listener for this radio station is driving around. They're 55 years old, and um, maybe they've had they had their COVID shot. Maybe they had you know a booster. Um, if they get this new Omicron variant booster, what percentage increased safety will they have from getting severe illness? So it's, it's, a, it's a great question, which I can't answer directly because of something we talked about last time, <laughs> which is that the FDA decided to approve these products for boosters without the full clinical trials. So this gets into other government strategies and public health strategies, but the original <laughs> vaccines 
were done in a very traditional clinical trial setting where I can tell you that the vaccines were 95% effective, and it's a real number based on real data. But for the boosters, they just looked at the safety, and they found that they were very safe, and they looked at the fact that there was an immune response that was expected and appropriate. So they made the assumption that we're going to get something on the order of 70 to 90% effectiveness, but they actually did not measure it. And this, I'm telling you this because one of the things that we're trying to promote with MedEvidence is to explain what we, don't, what we know, but also what we don't know and what we can extrapolate. So I can't actually answer your question directly because we don't have the data, but I can extrapolate the fact that the boosters are safe and will likely be effective for the vast majority of people. I always like the data that, are you getting it? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay, then I'm good. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going on. Right, that's the, the old question is like people, their, their heads start spinning. They say, well, what are you telling your mom to do? <laughs> oh, that, that's even better than <laughs> yeah. even you, right? Yeah, what exactly. are you telling your mom to do? Yeah. Dr. Uh, Eric Schramm is with us as well, a former uh, primary care physician, research doctor as well. What would you tell people about the new Omicron variant booster? Right. Um, I have an equally quick answer to that, which is yes, uh, with multiple explanation you know, points that it should be done. And I, I try to reflect that it, uh, over the last two years with the, with the, with the outbreak and the epidemic, um, clinically, it's, it's, it's always hands down. People do better who are vaccinated. People who are boosted and vaccinated do better they have much better outcomes and the same question you know what i have you know what i recommend to my mom my kids my wife yes my friends you know the answer is the same yeah. get, get the get the booster get the vaccine and that uh, booster is available now i guess it came out in early september <laughs> uh, we talked also in the last time we were together but i think it's worth repeating dr corin uh, if you've had the flu vaccine which i think i had two weeks ago uh, how long between t- getting the flu vaccine should you wait till you get this latest? Uh, What's your policy, Eric? COVID vaccine. Two weeks. Oh, okay. That's that's a standard policy, but if if it's a week, probably nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah, there you go. Hey, you can learn more about what we're talking about by going to EncoreDocs.com. That's EncoreDocs.com. And indeed, to, uh, speaking of flu vaccine, you have some trials going on dealing with the flu vaccine. We do. We do. At any given time, we have vaccine trials. Uh, the other thing, remember, COVID is not the only virus out there. So we have flu. We have RSV. RSV is a really big problem, a respiratory syncytial virus. It gets a little bit less PR, quote-unquote, than some of the other uh, viruses, but it's nasty, yeah. and it can cause some problems. It's interesting. I was just reading that in Latin American countries, there's big vari- variances right now in terms of who's getting hit hard. So um, I believe I read that Panama is getting hit really hard right now with RSV, but Colombia maybe not. And that's important for Florida because we have a lot of interaction with Latin America. So what happens in Latin America will eventually affect Floridians. Dr. Eric Schramm, when you were dealing with your patients in your primary care practice, and you would suggest that maybe they look at potentially participating in clinical research, what's typically the hurdle? You know, what, what are the, what's the blowback that you would get from patients, the concerns that they would have about participating? All right. Uh, Great question. And so initially I think they're like, well, you know, I don't want to be experimented on. Guinea pig, as Dr. Right. Corrin says. And I'll say, right, and I say, nobody, nobody wants to be a guinea pig. Um, and I'll say, well, look, you know, here's, here's this process. And again, it starts with um, having a good relationship with your patients and trust. And I'll say, you know, I have a lot of experience in clinical research studies. Um, you know, we are very, you know, selective about the types of studies that we look at to ensure that, you know, first and foremost, that, you know, safety is being addressed. 
and that the studies are well designed and you know and being able to conduct it and you know in in a in a safe and effective way and i go to them and i'll say well look you know you're uh, my point is is that patients generally do better in clinical trials and they'll say well look there may be a placebo involved i don't want to get the placebo gosh <clears throat> and i'll say well look you know it's really interesting that when you get patients in and you take them out of that kind of primary care setting and you get them into research and they have an opportunity to, to sit and work with staff to talk about their medicines, their diet, their lifestyle. Um, you know, when they're able to focus on that, they, it improves their health. It, it improves, it's, it's an educational process for them. And so even if those patients who end up on placebos still do better, and I tell them, I say, look, you know, if there's something you're not comfortable with this, let me know. You know, we can talk about that. And if at any point along the way I felt that it was in your best interest to not be in the study, then we would talk about that too. And I'm saying then we could take you out of the study if that's in your best interest. And I think that is enough information for patients to get comfortable with it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't ever feel like I'm trying to, like a used car salesman or something, to be like, hey, you know, I really need you to get into this study, you know. Uh, Don't make me go to my manager. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, so I kind of I kind of put it uh, put it into that and let them let them think about it. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's part of a, you know, an informed consent process, uh, you know, so we have, you know, we're going to conduct credible clinical trials uh, and doing them in ethical ways and this is the process in that yeah that's the voice of dr eric schramm and of course dr michael corin the people who do ultimately decide to participate in these clinical trials are happy to the extent of what percentage 99 percent yeah in our experience right yeah again to repeat that statistic thank you for the the segue yeah but when you ask the average american would you be interested in participating in a clinical trial just in a general sense they say 60 percent of the time that they would be open to it but once somebody's been exposed to one that number goes up to 97%. People that have done one clinical trial will do a second. And in our organization, we've actually surveyed people, and it's actually 99% here in Northeast Florida. Yeah. So it's so interesting is that once people are exposed, it's something that they enjoy and want to do again. In addition to being at the forefront of medical research and medical technology, they also, during that process, are going to get some of the best personalized healthcare they've ever experienced. <laughs> exactly. And and Eric was touching on that. It's the value proposition for the patient. So. Right. The, the attention is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Being part of a team, uh, leaving a legacy is a big mm -hmm. part of it. Um, <clears throat> for some of the studies we pay, and, and that could be helpful for people. Some people get drugs that they wouldn't be able to get. They get procedures that they wouldn't be able to get. Um, but there's a lot of social elements to it that are a lot of fun that people enjoy. Yeah. Karen, on our team here at WSOS, uh, every conversation somehow manages to weave back to that she was an early participant in the Novavax trials. <laughs> So, but it's funny because I mean, well, it's good because it's something that you can be proud of. Absolutely. Right? I mean, for those of us who are not in medicine, who are not right. didn't weren't born with those, those that, that brain capacity, uh, it is an opportunity for us to participate in something that's pretty cool. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know if we brought this up before, but um, one of my favorite movies is uh, the movie Patton. Remember mm -hmm. that movie? Oh, I love Patton. Yeah, <clears throat> it's a great movie. And so Patton would ask the soldiers, you know, what would you want to tell your kids that you were doing during World War II? Not that you were shoveling. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, you know, Karen can say that during the great pandemic, she was on the front lines. That's right. And not shoveling. Yeah, not shoveling. <laughs> well, you know where. All right. I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. That was the voice of Dr. Michael Korn. Dr. Eric Schramm is here with us as well. 
EncoreDocs.com is the website we'd love for you to check out. EncoreDocs.com. We're live from St. Augustine. Dr. Corin, could you do a little, you know, Deacon Blues, Steely Dan? You could do that, right? Hey, give me give me enough time to practice. I can do anything. Yeah, there you go. Of course, that, <laughs> enough time could be a year. <laughs> uh, so your musical days go back to, uh, you know, high school garage band? Uh, yes. In fact, um, we used to, it was a joke, actually. Um, I, I, I was actually always more interested in composition than being, like a guy that was performing, right? Mostly because I can't sing, but also just it was more interesting to me intellectually. So back in high school, I wrote a lot of songs with my buddy, and uh, we used to joke that we were the Corin Mike Band. So, <laughs> that sounds good, though. Yeah, <laughs> sounds pretty good. It sounds, it sounds like a British invasion band. Yeah, uh, that's Dr. Michael Corin. He's here with us. He joins us uh, each and every month. He's going to start joining us on Monday mornings too. We're going to have some fun with that. You can learn more about him and about what they do in medical research here locally in St. John's County in Northeast Florida by going to EncoreDocs.com. That's Encore, E-N-C-O-R-E, EncoreDocs.com. The number, telephone number locally, if you have any questions about what we're talking about today or your participation in any clinical trial is 904-730-0166. Dr. Eric Schramm is our guest today. Why did you ask Dr. Schramm to join us today, Dr. Corin? Well, Eric and I have known each other for a long time, and I think he's a great example of somebody who was a community-based physician who learned research, had the right sensibilities, and got really, really good at it, and then offered it to his patients as an option, and the patients love it. Right. So not only does it um, help Eric uh, keep him intellectually stimulated, but it also helps the patients, and it helps the relationship between the patients and the physician. Right. Uh, Dr. Eric Schramm, of course, uh, you've been around patients as a primary care physician, for many years. Uh, you were my physician. I appreciate all your great work helping me out over the years. Um, you've also had an opportunity, though, to, to do some medical research and to have some of your patients get involved with medical research. It's been a good experience? Yeah, always always a good experience. I, I call it a win-win situation, just as Dr. Korn said. It's It continues for uh, professionally to push uh, myself into that realm of, you know, uh, the advancement in the medical sciences, pharmaceutical science, uh, immunization science, and that's 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 super important to me, and and for the patients, their experiences, and I can offer them, you know, things that you know we could not otherwise offer them um, through traditional means, and that includes the latest uh, treatments for diabetes, or the latest cholesterol uh, medications, or the latest uh, 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 treatment for uh, blood pressure. So we have a lot in the community setting. Uh, these are primary care health issues, and you know I can offer not just one option to them. I can say, okay, well, look, here are multiple different possible options for you. People that are driving around uh, listening to us right now, Dr. Corin, a lot of them, probably the vast majority of them, right, could, could very well be eligible to participate in a clinical trial. In one thing or another, for sure. You know, we have some, <clears throat> excuse me, some trials that are very focused on a specific disease. So, for example, running a study right now on NASH or non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, otherwise known as fatty liver. And there are certain people that have that problem, and there are certain people that have that problem at a very severe degree, such that they have cirrhosis. So, as we speak, we have trials for people that have cirrhosis due to NASH or that have early stages of NASH. But we also have trials for people that are doing generally well. So, the vaccine studies, for example, everybody has the risk of flu, everybody has the risk of RSV, everybody has the risk of COVID, and we have studies that protect people against those. And from time to time, we'll do studies for people that are sick with these diseases and be able to do some sort of intervention. 
Yeah, let's drill a little bit deeper if we could on the flu vaccine, because I think I've, I've learned from you in previous sessions we've had together that the goal is to come up with a more effective flu vaccine than what we currently have. More effective and also something that can be manufactured more quickly. Hmm. So um, we've had this discussion, but I think it's important to repeat, is that in the traditional method of coming up with a flu vaccine, you first identify a virus and then you have to grow it in eggs and you have to purify it. And it's a very, very long process. And the time from developing the vaccine to actually getting it into a patient's arm is about 18 months. And now with the newer technologies such as messenger RNA, you can literally find a new virus and have a vaccine candidate available in a few weeks, even maybe in days. So the technology will allow us to be much more responsive to whatever the needs are of the community. Yeah. Well, if you have any questions about participating in a flu vaccine, which would include you're getting a flu shot, right? Absolutely. So just you know, getting to your personal strategy, again, Eric and I would both strongly advocate that people that have either any exposure risk or any medical risk to um, be sure that they protect themselves. And then you decide, do you want to go to um, a chain store and get it there? I think they'll give you a t- uh, $10 gift card or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to do it in a clinical research program? We have programs right now that guarantee that everybody's going to get something. So they're, they're, they're comparison studies, but they're comparisons against something that's active. And you'll get paid significantly more than that. Plus, you'll have the interaction with some great people and also pick their brain. So as Eric mentioned, and as you mentioned, is the interaction with the staff is really, really important. These are very knowledgeable people. And I would say, this may be a little controversial, but <clears throat> physicians who generally participate in clinical uh, trials have a greater knowledge base than physicians who don't, because right. we have to keep up on certain things, and it's a great part of our continuing educational process. Well, it seems like, too, those would be the physicians who are kind of eaten up and they still enjoy what they do, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, Not know, just punching the clock. Yeah, but, uh, intellectually curious is the word yeah. I like to use. Yeah, right, yeah. I remember for years uh, under the care of Dr. Schramm where I, we would go in and we, we would have our meetings and he would say, well, he would refer to, well, I just saw this in this journal. You know, I just referenced this in this mm-hmm. particular journal. It wasn't an experience I'd ever had with yeah. another primary care doctor. I love it, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Dr. Eric Schramm is here with us. Uh, you decided to get involved in this uh, out of intellectual curiosity, right? Right, and watching good outcomes with my patients. I right. think there was a lot of positive reinforcement with that. And, you know, again, uh, these are happy to be return uh, patients, return customers because mm-hmm. of those good experiences. And, you know, and I tell a patient, I'll say, look, you know, you're, you're not just doing this for you. You're doing you, this for 1,000 or 10,000 other people like you, you know, and that, you know, these are, you know, important, this data, this scientific data you know, here's, here's this for the greater good. You know, and I think that really has hits home for a lot of people. It's very powerful. Yeah. We're, yeah. You know, we're all uh, hardwired for, you know, an altruism and, and, and it really works for that. Yeah. I believe that. If you have any questions about participating in one of these clinical trials that could benefit you and also benefit our entire society, go to EncoreDocs.com. That's EncoreDocs.com. They have offices here locally in St. John's County in the Whetstone Building next to Flagler Hospital, so it's very convenient for just about anyone within the sound of my voice. You can also call 730-0166. That's 904-730-0166. Dr. Michael Korn, is it safe to say that if you participate in a flu vaccine trial, that the flu vaccine that you would get at this cutting edge is going to be better than the one I can get at CVS? Well, that that's what we look at, of course. We we have every indication to believe that's the case, but again, we follow the data. Okay. So um, 
we are working with Moderna and Sanofi and Pfizer and all these major manufacturers that are making these products. And they're making these new products thinking that they're better than the old products. Right. So again, we don't guarantee anything. And we are also watchfully waiting to make sure there are no issues. Thank God we haven't seen any of those with this recent development program. But um, again, that's our job. Now keep in mind that uh, medical products that are on the market for years and years and years can also have problems down the road. So, uh, But research is all about being part of this great process that's very, very nurturing, that gives to the community, and also allows the community to give to the, r- the rest of the world. And at the same time, we take incredible um, amount of e- effort and passion and energy to make sure it's a safe experience. So we're always going to um, be very curious about any side effects. Um, one of the things that I like to re- remind people is that when you go to your physician and you, you say, well, my nose itches when I eat Chinese food, <laughs> um, you know, they'll, they'll roll their eyes and they'll say, you know, don't eat Chinese food or don't eat your nose. Or they can go to a research guy and say, huh, well, that's interesting. I wonder what the mechanism of that is. Right. And we actually write it down and we'll think about it. And then we have to send a report to the FDA. Was that related to the study product or not? Right. And I guess just to you know, get a little bit caught up in the weeds, I guess, but if there were 10 or 20 different notes taken from other research physicians around the country that said this person scratches their nose when they eat Chinese food, does that raise a red flag it, and then you it, guys kind of drill deeper into that? It does. And there's a very famous example of, of that um, really, really famous example, which is Viagra. Mm. So everybody knows Viagra. And what people usually don't know is that it was actually developed as a drug for angina, for mm. coronary artery disease and chest pain. And the, the investigators were studying it, but when they try to get the medicine back, mostly from their male patients, they wouldn't get them back from the patients. <laughs> and they said, what the heck is going on here? Why We've never had so much trouble getting the medicine back from patients. And they dug deeper, and they found that their sex lives were better. Right. And then they said, okay, well, huh, let's, let's follow up on this thread. And they went from cardiology to urology and started doing studies on erectile dysfunction. And lo and behold, it was a breakthrough product for ED. Right. Probably made a little bit more money in that category. It, it certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Michael Korn is here with us. We always have fun with him and our guest uh, this month. Of course, Dr. Eric Schramm, he's here local as well. And we're both talking, or we're all talking, about clinical research, the opportunity for you to participate in it right here locally in St. Augustine and St. John's County. Go to EncoreDocs.com. That's EncoreDocs.com. We're going to play a song or two, and we'll be back. So we're trying to come up with a song list for Dr. Corrin's All Doctor Band. That would be a good one. You could do um, that song. Yeah, that, 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 I have to talk to the ethics committee on that one, actually. I love the one you're with. Yeah, 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 it gets a little, you know. Uh, we, well, if we start entering, if we start requiring the ethics committee to be involved with song selection, <laughs> we're never going to get anywhere. Yeah, well, we'll be safer with uh, drug-themed songs rather than love songs. Oh, okay. All right, stay away from the love songs. Right. Yeah, but if you take away... Like, Loosing the Sky with Diamonds will probably work. That would work. Yeah. That would be good. That's a tough one, though, it right is. out of the box. Yeah, it has a neat little bass line there that would be fun for one of our guitarists. And Since you know this music so well, Dr. Corrin, so if you're starting a band and you've and you got to do something really quick, what's an easy rock and roll song? Like in the world of rock and roll, classic hits, classic rock and roll that we play here, what's a fairly easy song to go ahead and start with? Um, one, one of the songs <laughs> that I play because it's easy is With a Little Help from My Friends. Oh, okay. And the reason it's easy is because Paul McCartney wrote it for Ringo Starr. And Ringo had sort of a limited range, and right. they needed to make it simple for him. Right. And um, so it was interesting. Um, uh, Paul McCartney 
wrote about 98% of it and maybe Lennon like would typically say, you know, okay, it's all right. Let's go for it. Give it to Ringo. Something <laughs> like that. But, um, but Lennon kind of distanced himself from the song because he didn't think it was that great. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And but, now uh, we all know the words to it. Yeah, but we all know the words. It's easy to sing. It's actually a fun song. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ringo does a great job. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and he was just here at our amphitheater. Everybody said it was a great show and still going strong at 82 years of age. It's amazing. So yeah. nothing wrong with that. Uh, that, uh, that voice, by the way, that you're listening to, Dr. Michael Corrin, of course, he's with Encore Docs and your uh, guest this month, Dr. Eric Tram, right? Absolutely. And Eric's been a fabulous researcher in the Encore family for a number of years. Yeah. A lot of our listeners uh, may know of Dr. Schramm, too, as a primary care physician here in our part of the world. He was my personal physician for a while and now, of course, very much committed to working on research projects, right? That's right. And yeah. glad to be here with both of you guys. Yeah. So in all this experience that you've had doing medical research, clinical research now, Dr. Schramm, is there a particular study that kind of pops out as something that was particularly fun and intellectually engaging? Yeah, I think a couple that really I thought were pivotal um, in terms of how um, they really were kind of game changers for patients and just in, for the medical science in general. And it really evolved along the lines for um, the injectable uh, cholesterol medicines, mm. uh, the PCSK9 inhibitors that came back uh, came out a few years ago. And we did probably five years of research on that. And um, it really uh, was a game changer because uh, here you had an opportunity to offer uh, cholesterol-lowering medications to uh, a lot of people who were historically couldn't tolerate statins, uh, who had backgrounds with heart disease or stroke, who absolutely needed cholesterol reductions. And so this was, this was a, a terrific opportunity um, you know, to do these types of medications. They were well-tolerated. They were very effective. And then, uh, you know, when you see, when you're in clinical research and you've, you've become really invested in terms of time and energy and effort watching uh, patients going through clinical trials, um, and then you see your uh, medicine coming to market, and you're like, wow, here we go. You know, this is what all that work was for. And you see that, okay, now it's going to be opening up for, for all those patients. So that, that was, you know, that was really a good really solidifying for me. And I try to, those are the th kind of experiences I like to share with patients. Again, if they're on the fence about clinical research and I'll say, hey, you, you know, you know this medicine, right? Well, yeah, we were involved in the clinical trials for that. Same with weight loss medicine. Same with anti-diabetic medicines. I can look and say, hey, you know what? We were involved in those clinical trials. Uh, patients did great. Um, and I've got a lot of experience with that, and I can communicate with that and, yeah. uh, to them. And so that's, you know, I think that's a, that also helps to kind of uh, alleviate the concerns that patients have about going into clinical trials. Yeah, yeah amazingly rewarding, right? You work on something that's in the, the trial phase, and then you get to see it helping thousands of people all over the country, not just here in our part of the world, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. And as we wrap things up, Dr. Michael Korn, you've had a ton of experience in this. And of course, you've been published in the New England Journal of Medicine and all that. But I bet ultimately it's about the things you've worked on that have reached the most number of people, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's fun to, as Eric mentioned, to have patients um, get, on, get on a drug that I work with in its infancy. Yeah. yeah so I'd like to say uh, I remember... Uh, a torvastatin or Lipitor when it was this tall. <laughs> <laughs> and look how it's become so good. So good now, right? So there, there's a sense of pride. There, yeah. There's a sense of, of, of being the proud papa. But even with the COVID vaccines, right? You were ah, involved absolutely. early, early on when people didn't know if we might have to wait years, no, right? It, absolutely. Incredibly gratifying experience. Yeah. 
Well, gratifying, obviously, for these two great doctors also can be gratifying for you out there who choose to participate in these clinical trials. I've had the privilege of being a part of these clinical trials in the past. It's very rewarding. Uh, you get great health care. You also have a lot of fun. And, you know, the one thing that you'll experience when you go to one of these offices for Encore Docs, including the office right here in St. Augustine, is you'll hear some laughter, you know. Oh, big people, time. Big yeah, time. people are having fun, you know, because it's you're doing something that's good and uh, you for yourself and also for others, but there's also just a great staff and team that enjoy what they're doing, yeah. right? And we have educational sessions, by the way, and, and Eric has been part of these in the past, and we do them periodically, so look out for them. You know, there's really no obligation. If you want to just hear about what's happening in a particular area, just look, go to our website and see what's going on in terms of our Learn With The Leaders and come to one of the sessions, and there'll be some refreshments and a lot of fun um, companionship and and. Actually, one of the great dynamics that's, uh, again, a source of satisfaction for me is when I see patients interact and when I see them learn together. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool part of what we do. Yeah. Great stuff. And, of course, there are opportunities for you to get involved, even if you're just somebody who is looking at getting a flu vaccine. There's smoking cessation trials, uh, obviously trials dealing with even Alzheimer's issues, uh, a variety of things. You need to go onto the website to learn more. Go to EncoreDocs.com. That's E-N-C-O-R-E, EncoreDocs.com information about all the various trials that you could participate in. Call this number 2-904-730-0166. That number 904-730-0166. All the contact information for Encore Docs is also available on our websites at staugustineradio.com and pontevedraradio.com. So I encourage you to check that out. Uh, Dr. Michael Korn, as always, thank you very much. My pleasure. Dr. Eric Schramm, thank you for coming by again. Hopefully you'll do it again. It won't be 10 years before you come back this next time. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this again real soon. Thanks, Kevin.